Come be a part of the Tea Party with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board Doc Holliday's Tea Party right now. It's only a click away. Ladies and gentlemen and fellow patriots, welcome back. You're listening to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. I'm your host, Ed Holliday. And you're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net. And we are in the middle of the month of April, which should be a day, a week of mourning, of having to write checks to the IRS, to the United States Treasury. I hope you've got your taxes all put together. I hope you've got everything lined up and ready to send in. If you haven't already sent the taxes in, it's a time that we should be all upset, and I am upset to the fact that we've been taxed enough already, and people still want to add on more taxes, want to make this uh, whole scheme of taxing more complex and confusing. And that's why last week we had on uh, Jim Bennett from New Jersey talking about the fair tax, and we're going to visit with Jim again today in today's show and learn a little bit more about the fair taxes tax there's no way we can get everything in about the fair tax so please go to www.fairtax.org learn more about the fair tax i believe this is something that would really really generate turn on in the economy it would be a stimulus to get rid of this old tax system that's holding us down and that is something that we're going to find out more about so stay tuned we'll get jim bennett back on for our uh, second half of interview and talk more about the fair tax. Find out where there's a, a tea party and get there to it. Support the tea party. Let's show them the numbers are not dwindling. It's actually growing. Yes, we're going in other avenues, just like I've told you, the Tea Party Review magazine and other things. We're going in other avenues, but you've got to get to the Tea Party rallies and let's make our voice heard. I'm going to tell you where I'll be in just a few minutes uh, on uh, some of the rallies coming up. But until then, let me tell you exactly what you listen to in this show. Once again, we've packed a lot in, got a lot to get over. News items. There's so much news that comes flying through within a week's time. But what I want to do today is concentrate on a couple of things. Number one, we're going to talk about health care. And some of the secretary is telling us, uh, Sibelius is writing out more waivers. I think last month over 120 more waivers. So there's over a thousand of those now. We're going to talk about that. And there's something new on the horizon. It's been happening for the last few years, but it's picking up steam in a medical community for doctors. And it's something that could undermine Obamacare. Or Anyway, we're going to talk about that. So that's going to be on a news item coming up. The other thing we're going to talk about is uh, Paul Ryan has unleashed the 2012 uh, budget that uh, GOP wants to get through Congress, and now we're in the middle of talking about continuing resolutions and debt limit. The congressman uh, from Wisconsin, Mr. Paul Ryan, will be who has released the budget for 2012. What he thinks that we need to do to cut spending, we're going to be talking about that. And then, of course, we are in the middle of the going through the candidates who are potential candidates to run for the GOP nomination. So I want you to stay tuned because today, this show, we're going to be talking about uh, ex-senator, former senator, Rick Santorum from Pennsylvania, and will he run for the presidency? Hey, 
you know, there was a defeated Republican uh, candidate for Senate before that won the presidency. You remember who that was, don't you? We'll tell you if you don't know. And we're going to be talking about those things coming up. And before we do, let me just remind you, yes, go on the webpage and click on uh, Tea Party Magazine. Click on the banner on the front of my webpage or, or go to www.teaparty.ms. Click on that. Find out more about the Tea Party Review Magazine and subscribe to it because I'm telling you, that is what's keeping the Tea Party together. It's our publication that will help keep the keep us together nationwide. And you're listening to Doc Holiday right here on webtalkradio.net. We're the heartbeat of the Tea Party, and we're going to get you excited. We're going to tell you some good things are going on. In the Rock of Liberty speech, we gonna, we're going to talk about the midnight ride of Paul Revere and why it's important to us today. So hang on, and let's get going. Without any further ado, the news with a budget plan for 2012. You know, it's constitutionally said that all spending of money things should come out of the House of Representatives. I've heard uh, Congressman Barney Frank say, well, you know, the, these Tea Party people, they just don't know the Constitution. <laughs> don't know the Constitution. It says that all spending is initiated in the House because it's closer to the people. That's why it's called the People's House. And Congressman Frank, I have to tell you, you and Nancy Pelosi did not, did not, did not, come close to trying to cut the budget, did not come close to doing anything to help the economy. You've been blaming President Bush for way too long. You were in charge since 2006, five years now. You were in charge, and, uh, and the Democrats and the White House are still in charge, and we're not getting any cuts in the budget, and you had every right to when you had control of the House. You had control of the purse strings, and you refused to do your American duty. Okay. That said, let's get on to what Paul Ryan says. Now, uh, he's not released all the details, but he said, he is, as you know, Congressman Paul Ryan is the chairman of the House Representatives Budget Committee. And his budget blueprint, which uh, is uh, coming out, well, it came out, it'll come on out in details bit by bit, but he has told us that it's going to cut, it'll go further than the $4 trillion cuts proposed by President Obama's commission. Now, President Obama uh, made a commission to help see how we could get our budget budget back in balance, but he hasn't done anything that I know of to uh, support any of the ideas that came out of that. One of the things uh, Congressman Paul Ryan said, we will be exceeding the goals presented by the President's Debt Commission. Uh, so I'd like to know more about it, and we will know there's details, and, and by the time this comes on the air, you'll probably know more of the details. But when Paul Ryan says the Deficit Commission what the cuts they proposed and how they proposed to reach the balanced budget is uh, not as good as what he's doing. So I'm glad to see he said that. He said he's uh, addressing uh, tackling Medicare and Medicaid and programs for the retired and the poor. He said, though, he said the changes would not impact anyone already over retirement age. So that's sending a signal to those who are already uh, retired, those about to retire, it's not going to affect you, but it is going to affect people who are working today. That's you and me. Uh, some of us, some of you are already retired, but us that are working, we're going to see how that's going to affect us. But I'm telling you, we've got to get this budget under control. And I give my uh, hat off 
to Congressman Paul Ryan for taking a leadership role. It's something that it takes a, a congressman, one out of 435, to take leadership on a budget. There's no way in the Senate has and the Senate uh, leadership. And, of course, the White House has taken no, absolutely no leadership in uh, balancing this budget. My hat's off to Paul Ryan, the congressman. And as, the, as more of the details come out, we'll talk about them here. Now, we're right on into news. We've got to talk about the list of the waivers. You know, if you are uh, got an inside track to uh, Health and Human Services Secretary uh, Sebelius, then somehow you get on a list of waivers. Now, why in the world do we have a list of waivers? What is a list of waivers? Let me give you a little more detail about the waivers. After the Affordability Act, Obamacare, became law last year. It's been over a year now. So they knew that some people, they said, well, if you've got a problem, if this is going to hurt you between now and 2014, if you know you don't think the president's plan is going to help you, then, then uh, ask for a waiver. You know what? <laughs> a lot of the people who pushed Obamacare a lot of some corporations and unions that pushed Obamacare and said we had to pass this thing to get health care that everybody in America needs. They're the very ones. Get this. This is so funny. Some of them who pushed for it said, hey, wait a minute. We want a waiver. We don't want what you offered. Give us a chance to get off of it. If, uh, as of the end of last month, in the end of March, they're over 1,000. Uh, companies and, and unions who have said, uh, please, don't make us follow through on this health care law. Please, please, don't make us have to do this. Let, let us have a break. And so uh, they said add it up. That's, uh, now it's uh, over 2.93 million people are, uh, are affected by the waivers. That's how many people say, hey, you know, our company... We can't survive if Obamacare give us a waiver. And I'd like to know. And I think there's some uh, groups that are uh, requesting for the Freedom of Information Act to know who are these people getting the waivers and why they're getting the waivers. And they are, uh, it's like being knighted, I guess. You know, uh, uh, Secretary Sebelius has become uh, an unelected demigod, and now she can bow down and give a company a waiver. The question is, does that, uh, if they're given contributions, uh, the unions who fought for the health care bill, so many of them, now they're getting waivers? You know, is that, uh, mm, well, is there any risk in, in showing favoritism? Mm, like to know that, wouldn't you? Uh, now, there's another thing that was pointed out from uh, theblaze.com. I saw this on uh, Glenn Beck's website, and there's something... And I've knew it. I've known it's been around, and they've talked about it in different places. I don't know if you know about it. It's sort of like a retained medical doctor. There, there's certain doctors they've they've gone in try to pick the best of the crop, and good, thorough primary care doctors, physicians. Uh, they've picked them out, and they've said, "Come and work for us." And what we'll do, and what they do basically is, I'll uh, say, if you'll pay a fixed annual fee. And, you know, if I need you or not, you know, I, I may not come in. If I don't need you, I won't come in. But I'll pay you a fixed fee so that I know the day I call, if I need you and I call, you'll know who I am, what ails me, 
and you'll give me your undivided attention and you'll check on me. So people are paying that, uh, usually about $1,500 a year. It may go up little different things, but $1,500 a year, and that says if I, if I come in or not, you get $1,500. But if I do come in, then I need to be seen. I want to be seen. I want, I want you to know who I am and not just rushing me through. And that, uh, that has really been picking up. Some of these retained physicians have formed groups, and they uh, are really enjoying what they're doing because they're not being rushed through. They're not having to see 200 patients a day. I don't think anybody sees that many, but, I mean, sometimes people get rushed through, and they know they can't give their best to every patient when they get got a waiting room full out there. So this cuts down on how many people they got to see a day, and they like it. The patients like it. And it says, now what does that mean for the middle class? They said they're trying to keep it low enough for middle class. But what the threat is, if more and more of the good doctors uh, opt out of Medicare, Medicaid coverage, but Medicare especially, and older patients who are in Medicare, where are they going to go? It's going to put more and more pressure on uh, physicians that do not get out of Medicare to uh, hold the load, and it's and it's going to put a lot of pressure on Obamacare. And if this is another thing that nobody expected out of Obamacare, and it's it's going to it could open up a whole new uh, private care system where you don't worry about the insurance. You pay a fee and you go in and you get taken care of. It's uh it's it has, it's not exactly new. It's been around for I guess the last ten years. But it, they said it's growing rapidly now. In the past year or two since Obamacare was passed over a year ago, this retained physician uh, concept is growing, and it's growing, and we'll have to see how it goes. But it could affect people's ability to f- see a doctor. And many, many months ago during the debate, a congressman, Price of Georgia, a medical doctor himself, a congressman, Republican, he told everybody, he said, you're not giving people health care. You're giving them a, the chance to stand in line. Something like that. That was his words. He said, you're not giving uh, people health care. All you're doing is giving them a ticket to stand in line. Bureaucracy, uh, government, oh, well, what's the word? Just government inefficiency. People looking at numbers. And, and here we had medical doctors in the Congress and the Nancy Pelosi shut them out of the door and wasn't letting them help put and craft this health care plan. Wouldn't let them have a word in, not one single word out of 2,700 pages. Wouldn't let the medical doctors have a word. My goodness. And it was passed. Why does America not like Obamacare? Why does the Tea Party say this is something we can build on we defeated a bunch of those who voted for it in 2010, 2012, and they get the rest of them out, okay? Look, the news is going on, and I've got to tell you that you are listening to Doc Holliday's Tea Party, and we're listening to us on webtalkradio.net. We're about to get on the phone with Jim Bennett and talk about the fair tax. But just before we do that, let me remind you that it is the week of April 15th, and there are uh, tea parties going on to let people remind people we have been taxed enough already. And if anybody's in the Hernando, Mississippi area on April the 16th, 
uh, it'll be a Saturday. Uh, Hernando County Courthouse, DeSoto County Courthouse in Hernando. Uh, there'll be a tea party starting around 11 o'clock, and I'll be one of the speakers there. And then on April the 18th, anybody in the Florence, Alabama area, come on out about 5.30 at Wilson Park in uh, Florence, Alabama. That's Wilson Park, Florence, Alabama, April the 18th. That's a Monday at 5.30. We're going to have a tea party there. I'll be one of the speakers, and I'll be uh, speaking about Stop the Spending. That's the title of my speech, so you need to come out. If you're anywhere in the area, come out and listen to that and be a part of the tea party, but there's tea parties going on all over the country. Let people know you're fed up with the taxes. You're fed up with our leadership who won't cut the spending. Now, we've gone over and over it, and it's so frustrating. But can you? I still cannot believe the concept. Can you? $1.6 trillion. $1.6 trillion that we don't have that we're spending this year. We spent it last year, the year before, and now, and now they can't even find $61 billion to cut. Unbelievable. This bunch that's running our government does not deserve to get back in power if they can't find $500 billion to cut. We don't have the money. We don't have the money. Live within your means. They don't care a hill of beans, I don't think. Live within your means. They do not understand that concept. Well, a tea party is going to show them how to do it. And I'm glad you're listening to me. And I'm glad you're listening to us right here on uh, webtalkradio.net. Now, let's get on the line and let's get Jim Bennett about the fair tax. Well, Ed, thank you for having me on the program. Well, uh, Jim is uh, in the, one of the, in the national grassroots effort for the fair tax. And uh, Jim's going to talk to us today about the fair tax because it's a word a lot of us have heard, especially in the conservative community and in the Tea Party movement. And yet, when it comes down to it, Jim, uh, really, there's a lot of folks don't know much about the fair tax. Well, tell me about, in a nutshell, what the fair tax is. Ed, just imagine a tax that lets you, the consumer, control through your consumption choices when you pay tax and how much tax you pay. Now, what if this tax were to let uh, you uh, take home your entire check with uh, no federal deductions, no income tax obligations on it, and let you skip the April 15th filing deadline cost? Will, uh, will this cause more bureaucracy then? Uh, very little, uh, because first of all, we're getting rid of the IRS because the uh, tax collection shifts to the states, 45 of whom already have sales taxes already. So it's very easy to implement. Uh, secondly, uh, I'm told that something like 70% uh, of American households already depend on the Social Security Administration for some kind of a benefit. So if we simply increase the mailing list by 40-some percent, we've got the whole country covered. And then we don't have the problem of uh, the IRS not communicating with the Social Security Administration and then the Social Security numbers become self-policing because if I apply for a prebate and Social Security says, oh, no, I paid that to Joe X, I'm going to say, what are you talking about? That's my Social Security number, and then that will be straightened out very quickly. Right. We explained it well. But one more time, if you'll tell the listeners on my show, and hopefully we let the liberals know, it, it is not designed to hurt the poor. In fact, it should help level the playing field the way I see it. 
Absolutely. In fact, uh, unfortunately, when uh, people hear the word sales tax, the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, it's regressive, it's unfair to the poor. Now, there have been a couple of studies done, uh, one by the Suffolk, uh, Suffolk University, the Beacon Hill Institute, that uh, uh, do, uh, does an uh, impact study of the fair tax, and it says that if you measure resources the way economists do and not the way politicians do, politicians using a one-year window and pol economists using uh, average remaining lifetime resources, the people who benefit disproportionately from the fair tax are the lower and middle income people. And that's before you factor in the dynamic benefits to the economy that uh, the fair tax is going to bring about by bringing $14 trillion worth of offshore capital onshore in a matter of months. Now, how do you like that one for a stimulus? <laughs> it doesn't cost the taxpayers a dime. And uh, if there's any program to benefit the poor, in my mind, that's it. Well, if you can bring that much in, uh, I don't know why... Uh, Congress can't say, hey, we need the stimulus and we need it now. Mm -hmm. I think, well, part of the, pro uh, the, uh, the fair tax I like to describe as a tax that Washington insiders don't want you to know about. And why is that? First of all, uh, lobbyists and special interests make their living off the tax code. There's 35,000 lobbyists in Washington, 60% of whom lobby the tax code. And under the fair tax, that's just about gone. Now, the congressmen themselves uh, depend upon the lobbyists, and uh, how can Congress spend money? There's two ways. It can make an appropriation that everybody sees, or it can spend money through a tax code uh, um, carve-out, which nobody sees. And what politicians love to do on both parties is spend money through the tax code. And the fair tax takes away the power of Congress to do that, so that's why Congress uh, m most members of Congress don't want you to know about it. They're talking about tax reform, and uh, they're talking about the VAT. They're talking about simplifying the tax code. Well, Ronald Reagan tried simplifying the tax code in 1986. And right back to worse than what we had. Aren't yeah, we? He, uh, he wasn't able to do it, nor could he, or nor could anybody, because, uh, the, because uh, the tax code is a playground for the lobbyists and special interests, and the fair tax takes that away. But the other thing the fair tax does is, uh, it, it, I, I know in uh, last fall in 2010, we had uh, some Republicans in the area that just mentioned the word fair tax. Actually, one in my district was running against the incumbent, uh, quote, conservative Democrat, but he was under the wings of Nancy Pelosi. And, and uh, one, a Republican that was running against him just uh, put on his Facebook page that he liked the fa fair tax. And they came out of ads all over saying that this Republican's for a 23% tax increase. He wants to increase your taxes 23%. And, and they were blaming that all because he said he liked the fair tax. So how to, it just seems like it's, in the, it's ingrained in the Democratic Party to be against this fair tax. So how do we go into the, how do, you told us a while ago anybody in the Democratic Party ought to, has friends in the Democratic Party ought to be presenting this plan, but I'm asking you how do, do you find leverage or do you find any kind of traction when you try to present this to some of the Democrats? It's a question of education, uh, and in terms of the candidates, uh, we did a study 
uh, and uh, we found that can, uh, there's three levels of candidates, uh, uh, the lowest level being those who passively support the fair tax and uh, get hammered on it uh, by the demagogues, and uh, those who actively stand their ground and defend it. Those who stood their ground and defended the uh, fair tax uh, almost to a person were elected, whether they were incumbents well, good or news. whether they were challengers. Right. So uh, it's, on the, it's incumbent upon the candidate to uh, get familiar enough with the fair tax that he or she can defend. I think if there's enough grassroots pressure, uh, you'll see a lot more uh, Republican candidates and Democratic candidates supporting the fair tax as if they came up with the idea themselves. Well, Jim, I, I appreciate you being on the show and helping explain to us what the fair tax is. And I do encourage all the listeners to go to fairtax.org. Is that correct? correct? That's correct. Ed, thank you so much for having me on. Well, great to have you on. We'll get you back on. And good luck on getting this uh, promoted. And hopefully it'll take the country by storm, Jim. Thank you. And that was Jim Bennett from the great state of New Jersey. We're glad to have him on. He's telling us more about the fair tax. There's no way we can get it all in, so do go to the website at uh, www.fairtax.org. Now, let me tell you about the presidential uh, politics. Presidential politics. Who we're going to talk about today, I've mentioned that to you. We're talking to you about Rick Santorum. Also, there was a Another senator, Rick Santorum, was a senator from Pennsylvania. He got defeated in the last Senate race, and, and since then he's been working for different uh, conservative uh, constituencies and an attorney. Now, but let me go back and tell you about, uh, I mentioned there was another Republican that lost the Senate election and went on to be president of the United States. Do you remember who that was? He was not a sitting senator when he lost, like, Senator Santorum. Well, that was none other than Abraham Lincoln. Yes, he was the ex-congressman. He'd run for Senate and got beat. But that lifted up his uh, esteem in the Republican Party. And therefore, uh, he went on to win the nomination of 1860 and was elected president of the United States. Will the lightning strike twice? Can Rick Santorum get in the race? And what can he do? Well... Let's look at uh, being a, as well being a senator. Like I said, he's an attorney. He has been a very, very um, hardcore conservative. He does not waver on conservative uh, values, come social or fiscal, and he has uh, got a well, uh, a well-groomed resume for the conservative folks in the Republican Party. Now, what does that spell? For winning, if you're running against Rick Santorum, of course, you everybody point out, well, he got beat last election. The people in Pennsylvania didn't even elect him. You also can say he's uh, he's so uh, so conservative that he won't won't yield on issues. But with the Tea Party group, that sort of makes me happy. No, he's not going to give ground on principle. So Rick Santorum has some basis to stand on. His big thing is name recognition. Well, we said a couple of weeks ago, who's Herman Cain? Well, more people have heard of Rick Santorum. He's done a lot uh, when he was in the Senate as senator, and he's been on the national stage in a few places. And so he has the name, but not a great name recognition. But what he does have is the ability to fight campaigns. Now, he's never done a national campaign, but he knows how to get out 
and shake hands. He knows how to get his name out, and he has some good staff that's always surrounded him. So I'm, uh, my feeling on Rick Santorum is that he, if he got in a race, he could appeal to the conservative Republican voters looking for someone who's willing to take a stand and not back down. And there's a lot of those out there. Uh, when we look at Michelle Bachman and Sarah Palin, uh, and, and one thing that Rick Santorum said, hey, he said if there's a Tea Party candidate, it's him more than anybody else. Now, I think Michelle Bachman would uh, argue with that if Sarah Palin gets in. She may argue with that, but Rick Santorum takes the Tea Party uh, issue, and he, he loves to wear it, and he loves to speak about it. And he's been a lot of Tea Party. He's been a Tea Party activist. He's been a he's been a activist for family values, principles, and uh, he has he proves it. He's he has I think a family of nine. He he and his wife have seven children. I think she homeschools those children, and and so he's he he practices what he preaches when it comes to family now, and uh, he is Roman Catholic. So that's another thing that uh, we would look at uh, being Roman Catholic. I don't think would uh, hinder or help him in any way other than the fact that he has shown that he is very strong against abortion. He's willing to fight, uh, fight the abortion industry. He's also shown that he's willing to stand up for marriage between one man and one woman. So he's not afraid of the social issues like some Republican candidates might be. Now, if he was to win the nomination, would that help him out with the independence? Would that help him out with uh, 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 maybe some of the Democrats? If, uh, those are questions that you'd have to ask, and uh, uh, Republicans, before they go vote for the primaries, they have to ask, can this man beat President Barack Obama? That's one of the things that everybody be asking. So Rick Santorum, what's my gut feeling? Well, Doc Holliday's gut feeling is he probably won't get in. If he does get in, I don't think he'll last long, but I think he likes to make a splash in the national politics. I think he has a role he could play in the future. As far as cabinet, uh, uh, he'd be great to put in the cabinet. Could it be a VP, pres pres uh, uh, VP possibility? Of course, because Pennsylvania is a, a very much-needed state. If he could bring Pennsylvania on the side of Republicans, wow. You know, he could be a very uh, potential vice president candidate to help swing an election. So there's a lot of things to look at. And Rick Santorum is talking not because he wants publicity as much as I think he really wants to be a player in American politics. So let's watch and see what happens with Rick Santorum. He may jump in this thing. And, uh, and uh, I think I heard Governor Haley Barber say, the more the merrier. He said, get them all in. Of course, I think... Uh, that's what some of the people are running, thinking the more get in, the more chances the, uh, the, the dark horses have a chance to move up in the crowd and, as it's all spread out. So that is the presidential uh, politics of the show today, and I wish we had more time. We have got to get right on to Rock of Liberty speech. Now, the Rock of Liberty speech, I told you, uh, think back about Paul Revere. It's not just Paul Revere. I don't want to talk about one hero. I want to talk about people we don't know their names. Because what was Paul Revere doing? When he came through about 2 a.m., he was sounding the alarm. Bling, bling, bling. And, and the Minutemen. Who were the Minutemen? Those were people. They were farmers and shopkeepers who said they would be ready. They could be ready in a minute's notice. They had a knapsack ready. had a gun ready, ammunition ready. 
and they could be ready on a, a minute's notice. And so that's what they were. They, and he came through about 2 a.m. They were alarmed, and the, and the men of Lexington jumped up. The Minutemen got ready, and they rushed out there, went to the Lexington Green, and waited, and waited. Captain John Parker had them all ready, ready. Said the British are coming. It was one by land and two by sea, the lantern up in the belfry of the Old North Church. And, and, uh, and so uh, the word was, it was by two. They, they, two lanterns, they came by sea. But because the British got caught in a swamp uh, or in a marsh area, it took them longer to get unloaded. And so the, here we are, had the Minutemen all lined up, ready at Lexington, and they waited for two hours from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. or so, and then finally they said, well, could be a false alarm. Just go home and be, be alert. And then uh, sure enough, around just before dawn, they heard the drums beat. They beat the drums to bring the militia back out. And here come the Minutemen. They rallied again. Some of the men had gone back home, gone to sleep. They jumped out of bed. Some of the men had just started their early uh, morning farm chores and they ran from the chores they dropped the plow whatever they were doing and they got in line and sure enough as the dawn came up we saw the glistening of bayonets british bayonets and beautiful red uniforms with the brass buttons shining and what happened then well we know captain john parker said stand your ground don't fire unless fired upon but if they want to have a war, let it begin here. And so it did. The shot heard round the world. Now while I'm talking about the Rock of Liberty speech, the shot heard round the world. What happened in April? This is April. We celebrate Lexington and the shot heard round the world. Lexington and Concord. And go back and read the history on that. But what you need to know for this Rock of Liberty speech is the minute men were available. They got up at 2 a.m., waited for two hours, and went home and were ready to jump up again, and they did. And they got back out there, and they met the British, and the shot heard around the world was fired, and Americans have been defending our freedom ever since. God bless the Minutemen of Lexington and Concord, and God bless you for being available. And that's what we need to do is uh, being a part of the Tea Party. We must learn to be available. Be available, and not every time are you going to be needed, just like when the Minutemen got up at 2 a.m. and had to wait for two hours. Some things are going to be inconvenient. It's not going to always work out working as a Tea Party movement, but you got to be available. you got to look for opportunities. Get out and go to the Tea Party rallies. Find out things uh, through the paper. Write letters to the editor. Now's the time. Don't wait till 2012. When, it, when the election season's uh, getting fast and furious, now's the time to prepare the ground. You reap what you sow, the law of the harvest. Be available. Be ready. Get yourself ready to get out and, and become a Tea Party Minute Man or a Tea Party Minute Woman that you can drop what you're doing and get to a, a rally. Americans are too busy today. And the Tea Party movement will make a big effort if we work together and be ready, make yourself available, and, and be ready to move, to go to a Tea Party. Be ready 
to know what's going on. Listen, call your congressman, call your senator, have their uh, have the numbers ready to to uh, call directly. And when things come up, let's move on it. We've got to pull together, be available, and I'll see you next week for another Rock of Liberty speech. We're going to be talking with someone from American Solutions. And that, of course, is a Newt Gingrich's organization. But they have a lot of good ideas. We've been talking about uh, some of the ideas they have next week. So come on and click on next week's show. Can't wait to next Monday. See you then. Get to a tea party. God bless you. See you next week. Thanks for joining us today, and remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Tea Party. You can order Ed's book, Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide, from the Boston Tea Party to today's Tea Party Revolution by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.